0: My father was a disc jockey when he was at Lipscomb, and uh, when he was studying and uh, uh, shared a booth with Pat Boone for about a year. They had a morning show and uh, uh, put forward his first record. Uh, that leaves about two-thirds of you behind, I think, <laughs> but a third of us can uh, at least have some memory of Pat Boone in those, in those early days. Good morning. Good to be with you. Welcome to our visitors, and uh, let's see. Let me make sure you know who I am uh all of the um first string is out and i'm not the pinch hitter i am the guy that pulled up from the minors to fill in we um it's one of the signs of a vibrant active congregation is that we take our faith on the road and so there are all those empty pews right there all our youth down in florida at mount dora and they got there safely and we rejoice in that We are glad to have some of our college students, but we have a bunch, of course, missing until August gets here. And uh, then we have our group that's in Peru, Cusco, Peru. We rejoice that uh, uh, we do missions and we follow up on our missions. We don't just send them money. We send them our people, our encouragement, our blessings, all of the above. And so I rejoice that part of us are on the road. And uh, so that's good. And uh, uh, what, I, what I'd like is an additional rule that when the pews of those that are, you know, vacant are, are left there, that you have to fill them. You have to come up front. I'd like for such a rule to be there. But either way, wherever you are sitting today, we're glad that you're here. We welcome you and uh, glad that you're among us. I've been on the road myself for two weeks. Um, this Friday morning, I was in Florence, Italy. Friday afternoon, I was in Milan, Italy, with North. Uh, No, that was Thursday. Then Friday I was in London. And Friday night I was in Dallas. And yesterday I drove 12 hours from Dallas. And I think I'm in Montgomery. Am I in Montgomery right now? (laughs) I can't. It's very humid here. Let me say that it's 20 degrees hotter and a whole lot more humidity. And what on earth happened in the two weeks that I was gone? It must have rained every day. My grass is like this tall. I can't even walk through it. I was scared when I fed my chickens this morning that I would be bitten by snakes. (laughs) And I am going to have to cut that down. Good to be back with you. Allow me five minutes to tell you with your blessing where, where I have been. I was thinking of this uh, between the academic side and the mission side. I have not slept in my bed for four out of the last six months. I'm looking forward to tonight. <laughs> I get to sleep in my own bed, but what a blessing to be, to be gone. Um, three congregations, or three works in Italy, a land that's, uh, that's uh, dear to me. I was accompanied by 14 Texans, and that was a unique experience by itself. Uh, but uh, members of the Lewisville Church of Christ that uh, went uh, with me on an on a encouragement trip. I see it as a model from Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14, Apostle Paul has established uh, churches in the first missionary journey. They are in what we call Central Turkey today, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, and then he goes right back around, having been away from them for a few months, and he goes back, and the specific purpose that's mentioned in Acts chapter 14 is to encourage. If you go to Italy... Many of them don't speak English, and so you're kind of hampered in your ability to communicate. What can I do? What can be done? What can be done by 14 Texans who don't speak Italian? They the purpose was not as much to to conduct Bible studies because unless they speak English you can't. But it was to encourage. The works are already there, so we targeted. It was not academic. It was not tourist. It was uh, travel with a higher purpose, which is to go to the congregations that are out there that don't benefit from you know having 33 congregations like we have in our hinterland around Montgomery, but are far and few between and and, uh, few in number, and to encourage them to hold fast and still know, remember, here, meet me. I am someone that lives on the other side of the world. I speak a different language, but we're trying to go to the same place. And that mission was absolved, was fulfilled. We went first to Rome. So not this past Wednesday night, but the one before. We were with the congregation. I held a study. Uh, with the congregation that's at Viale Ionio. There are four congregations in that city of five million souls, precious souls of God, and there are about 40, 50 of them. They're not all Italian. Some of them are Ecuador, Peru, but they speak Italian because they're there for jobs or other reasons, and we got together on that Wednesday night, and there was no bell to start service, and there was definitely no bell to end service. They don't have those over there. Uh, those of us who speak, we kind of like that. You know, you're not going to be cut off by, by, uh, by people. So we went from 6.30 till something like 9.30 that night, and, and then there was a meal afterwards, and, uh, and there was fellowship, and there was encouragement, and the reason we went there was to say, you hang in there in Rome, and we will hang in there back here where we are at. And um, I, I commend to you uh, the families of Giancarlo Balboni, Vittorio Vitalone, and, and many of the other brothers that are holding for to so One of the neat things and the announcements that they made that night at the end of service, and I need to tell you that so you know what's going on at the same time that you are here, seven hours away from us, because there's seven-hour time zones, there's people meeting this afternoon, this evening, and they're, 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 they're singing hymns, and they're doing it in a different language, but they're yearning about heaven and about faith and about staying faithful. They announced that this brother, even though there's only 40 of them, had just been Sunday before to a small congregation of about five up in northern Italy. And, and then another one was leaving that next uh, Sunday to go down south to congregations that are struggling. They're small down there. So there they are, small in number, and yet sending out their own, which is what we're supposed to do can't take buildings to heaven. We take souls to heaven with us by the grace of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we do. So they're doing that. That was good. That was on Wednesday. By Friday, we were on the island of Sicily. That's most famous for the Godfather, I think, right? In fact, the congregation of Catania, there are several on that island, is just on the outskirts of the capital of Mafia. The capital of Mafia is Paterno, and there's a congregation of the Lord's Church there, and right nearby is uh, Mount uh, Etna, which is an active volcano. Out of the room where I was staying, I could see the volcano every morning spewing stuff out and going, please not today. That was my prayer on that particular day. Let me finish this day. I had a meeting to hold on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, four times to speak, and the ashes from the volcano are there on your car and every morning, and that was on Friday. Wow! May I commend to you the congregation of Catania. They're outstanding. They have, it's a rarity on the mission field, uh, uh, three elders, and that's outstanding. A biblical model of leadership. They have a full-time preacher that's supported a little bit by America, but mostly by them, even though there's 25% unemployment among them. And as I walked out of the hotel about 12 blocks away from the church and walked every day uh, to go to the church building, um, I passed by homeless. I tried to stop as many as I could, as much as I could, and help out with food. But they were all there. They were of different nationalities right outside my room. And uh, there were times in going to the public meeting to to hold the meeting when I felt like uh, I wanted to stop and actually have a conversation with them but there were about 150 souls that were waiting for me on the other side what an experience the Catania congregation I commend them to you they are vibrant they are on Saturday night after I preached for an hour and 30 minutes they let you do that there and they don't throw hymn books at you they they had questions so I stood and answered questions for quite a while. Those from Texas, I don't know about you from Montgomery, but they, they marveled at that. They said, wow, the speaker has to field the questions. Yeah, and what if there's a priest in the audience? What if there's someone that has come not to actually ascertain truth or to listen, but actually to put sticks in the wheels? Well, that's a possibility. You've got to be ready for that, for challenges. You don't get just to deliver your, your, your prepared message, you have to uh, stand up for your faith. What if? What if? What if? That's a challenging proposition there. They wanted to sing. They wanted to sing. There were 14 from Texas who couldn't sing in Italian, so I alternated one stanza back and forth between the two languages, and they kept going and going and going like the you know, ever-ready battery. I had to say three more. I found myself doing what I don't want to do, which is tell people, stop singing. Stop singing. Wow. Because we all had to. It was nearly midnight and I was mindful of Troas and people falling out of windows and dying. Remember that, Trophimus? <laughs> I thought, no, no, we have to come back for worship, and it's just a few hours from now. We must go, but we must come back. I look forward to the next morning worship. Wow, that was last Sunday. And they came back. I thought, no, they're going to skip church. They're going to call in sick because they sang till past midnight. You no, know. oh, they were there. There were many outside visitors. One old man came up to me, and and uh, he, uh, he, uh, he 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 was uh, impressed with the academic side. I said, "Forget that. Let's talk about Bible and truth, and and uh, forget forget just Bible as knowledge." Uh, there was a couple that had been converted recently. Let me tell you about them, and then I'll have to go on. But Sebastiano and his wife Rosita. And uh, he was a, a man that looked like, you know, one of those Duck Dynasty figures, you know, big, big beard. And they were living together up until January. And then one of the members had uh, began sharing the gospel with them. And, and there were two issues that had to be resolved. And one of them, of course, was their marriage in God's eyes. And the other one was, of course, their, their salvation in God's eyes again. And so they first got married and made legal, not before man, but before God, <laughs> their, their union. And then they both accepted Christ. And so you have a brother and sister in Christ by the name of Sebastiano and Rosita. And their, their, their passion and their fervor. And I, 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 all I could think of as, as they kept hugging me at the end as we were leaving, about to go, I said, If I get to come back here again before the Son of God returns or we pass away, uh, I want to find you married. And I want to find you here. I want to find you faithful to the vows you took to each other. I want to find you faithful to the vows you took to God because of His grace. Catania, they are meeting today, and you need to take stock in that knowledge. And they are a vibrant, active congregation on the island of Sicily. The last stop was in a work that's called in Florence, Italy. The north is a lot harder, people are less uh, uh, open. They are more possessed with money, and money sometimes makes you more closed. You think you have the answers to life. You think you don't need anything. You don't need anything. Answers, spiritual things. And so it's tough. There are over 15% of the Florentines that declare themselves to be atheists. That's unusual for a Catholic country. But, you see, money sometimes does that, detaches us from God. But in Florence, there's a group of uh, avanti Italia, they're called, young people from Christian colleges that have dedicated the college church in Circe, Arkansas, supports this work. The three-story building, we stayed there, encouraged them as best we could in their work there, and those are the three uh, things that we did. So that's my quick mission report. That's where I've been, and I'm grateful to you that you let me go. On Friday, I landed in Dallas. I don't remember what time it was, something like 4 my body clock said something else, but it was four and it was hot. And uh, I opened up my phone, you know, after you do and you get off a 10-hour plane ride from London. And, and it said, well, it said two things. There are two reasons for loss in my particular experience. One, my daughter Katie had just uh, given birth to my granddaughter and she was not alive. She had gone straight to heaven so 19 weeks in gestation, and it, it not ended the way we were hoping or prayed, of course. So I have a sense of personal loss that hit me in the heat of Dallas, Texas. And it's in those moments that, um, of course, it matters most to my son-in-law, to my daughter. By God's grace, they already have five children, but that's not the point. The point is you made a place at their dinner table. You made a place in your heart for a new life, and you give thanks to God and a faith. She was born not alive on on Friday and buried yesterday. And uh, that is the way life is too. Sin brought death into this world and, and we can rail with anger at, uh, at such moments of personal loss. But it is our faith in God that, that roots us and makes us live out such days and say, I don't understand, but I will. And the only one that gives sense and meaning to this life and to death is the one who saved my life from death and who conquered death in that grave in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And so, great sense of personal loss. Thank you to those of you who already knew that and sent your condolences. But there was a sense of national loss, too. Because on, on the report, I saw that the Supreme Court of our country had gotten it wrong again. They got it wrong. There's a great sense of loss in our nation today because even though it is something that uh, uh, one pundit said... Uh, you know, we could just ignore them. They were wrong in the time of Abraham Lincoln with regard to segregation and other issues in Civil War. They were wrong then, Scott decision. They've been wrong like in 1973 on Roe v. Wade. Who are these nine people? And who are those five that decided to not only uh, destroy the Constitution of the United States, the, the law of men, but to ignore, of course, more importantly, the law of God? Great sense of national loss we should be feeling today. And so that's where my lesson comes today. I need encouragement. How about you? So I am turning straight to the text. No pictures, no art, very little history. Only which applies to reading through Philippians chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, you may want to turn there. All I'm going to have up here is the text. And nothing but. I'm going to have the ESV in Do like I heard Brother Jim Bill McIntyre do so wonderfully once. He's passed on one of the great preachers of our brotherhood. Just simply walk through the text. And what I seek out of it is what it will teach me. And what I seek out of Philippians, this masterful letter written in the most amazing circumstances by the Apostle Paul in the year 61 A.D., after he had been innocent and under arrest for three and a half years through all kinds of vicissitudes, institutes, he, he writes a letter that's encouraging to, to others when he should be the one that needs encouragement because of personal loss, three years of his life, and the prospect of dying the next week or the next month when his trial came up. And yet... This is what he has to write. Let's make it ours on this particular day. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Fully acknowledging that this is not the beginning of a chapter. Paul didn't write in chapters, that's translators. I can treat it as if it were a beginning. I'm dropping into the text at this point and say he's... Turning his thoughts towards the end of his letter. Most letters were only about a chapter long in that time. This one is about medium and Paul's. And he says, therefore, since all the things I've said before, you're going to have to read the first three chapters. He says, brothers. And then he does that again. My beloved. He hugs. We need hugs. We need verbal hugs. We need, sometimes we just can't say anything. I mean, what are you going to say? If You've lost your job this week. What am I going to say to you? What I'd love to say is, I have a job for you. Because I know there are people in here that have lost their job this week, and you're not sure what's going to happen next. When you have a sense of loss, you just need a hug. What am I going to say? But you understand that it's sincere and it's meant. Paul has been under arrest for three years, and he's hugging them, verbally speaking. When you need hugging, one of the things you can do is hug others. (laughs) Go out, reach out. You give to others what you need. That is one of the ways that Scripture teaches us to deal with. That's what love means. I love and I long for you. I have taken your name to the Italians. I boast about you, about your mission efforts, about your faith, about your about your stability, that you stand firm in these most unpredictable times. There's trouble in the church. There's, it's not just a matter of... Uh, uh, Changing f- and, and 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 fads. It's of course, there are matters of theology that are racking our fellowship right now. It's it's these are difficult times to live in. Stand firm, like a like like a, a the line of the Roman legionnaires who are facing the enemy on the other side of the battlefield. It's a military term. Stand firm. You hold fast. Don't let go. That's what I told the Romans. You stand firm and we'll do it back here. You stand firm, I told the Catania. Keep doing what you're doing. Fight against, uh, let's take as many to heaven with us as we can. Stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So here's the first thing Paul has to say to me and to you. As scripture is relevant to the 21st century and to our personal lives and to our collective lives as a congregation. You stand firm. You are my joy and my crown. You're my joy. You give me a sense of joy. I speak with you with joy. I speak about you with joy. You're my crown. I boast about what what you do, where you go, our mission efforts, our various older folks that are the backbone here of faith and endurance and hanging in there from, from the beginning to the end, however long or short life is. I entreat, yo oh yeah, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. So there were divisions in the first century too. I don't know if this one was about a bulletin board. That's just... Uh, one expression, or it's about more serious things. I don't know. We're not told the uh, names of two sisters in the church of Philippi. Somehow, the word has gotten, probably, to so the guy who brought the gift to Paul from the church of Philippi. He said, uh, he said, Paul probably said to him up on the seventh story of an apartment building in Rome, where he was under house arrest, "Tell me about all the people." And he started rattling off the names. And and he said, "Well, Yodia and Syntyche, when I left, they were really having a an issue." And so we, we have that. I hope it was not over matters of theology. Those are serious. This doesn't seem to be. It seems to be pragmatic, something disagree on, A bureaucratic. Who knows? But we must resolve them quickly, move past them, kind of like Paul and, and Barnabas did when they had a difference over John Mark. Who's right? Who's wrong? Well, Paul goes on, does his work, Barnabas does his, and the church is glorified. Sometimes you can have differences over, uh, but, of course, the important thing is which sack do these things belong in? Those that are important theological issues, or are they instead matters of opinion, matters of, of practice? Yes, I ask you too, also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul says, and this remember that this letter was sent to Philippi. It was opened up in front of everybody, and there's somebody that is reading it. And so those names of Yodi and Syntyche come out. Paul even knows about the spat, and he says to whoever the true companion is, either Luke or somebody else, we're not sure, please help out these two ladies to get over their, their differences. Because then, and here's the compliment. This is good to know about Yodi and Syntyche. Don't forget when two have a spat differences within the church. All the good that they have done in the years before. Look at what they did. They labored side by side with me in the gospel. So don't remember Yodi and Syntyche just because of that. Remember all they did before. Look at the whole picture of a person. Maybe you have a disagreement over one thing. The church... It has enough trouble with divisions within their important theological and attacks from outside. See what the Supreme Court did this week. But we, what we can't afford is to not find unity within our own selves over small things. These women have labored side by side together with me. There's a the mention of Clement. It doesn't appear anywhere else. Don't know him. But what if your name were mentioned in there? Clement. Together, clement labor with me. And then put your name in there instead. These are brothers and sisters of Christ of mine and yours. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. You have this image of a gigantic book with all these names, 20 centuries long and beyond. Actually, the book of life... Does it have the names of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the... Does it have the Old Testament figures, those that are in Hebrews chapter 11, all the the hall of faith? Man, I want my name in that book. If you're in Christ, it's supposed to be there. And the only one who can take it out is you. Yes, by your actions and your choices, you can. You can erase the name from the book of life. But God wants your name in that book... Book of Life, what a great, great... I rejoice in the Lord always. Excuse me, command. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. You've heard it before. But I need some rejoicing in this weekend of national loss and personal loss. Terry, whatever your name is, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Remember the big picture. Always That is an adverb that says, don't let the ball drop. Keep your perspective on the whole picture. In case you thought he was kidding, he's not. Again, I say, is this just a facade? No, no, I don't do that, Paul says. What you see is what you get. I am what I am. And I'm telling you, in spite of my circumstances, 16 times, either through a verb or an adjective or something else, Rejoice, and again I say rejoice. I will try. No, you've got to do better than that. You've got to do better than that. You've got to understand the blessing that is yours. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness. So I sat by a Jewish man on the plane from London all the way home, and I sat by an Irish man on each side. I sat with a, an author who was an author of, of, uh, of uh, cooking books and, uh, and uh, a, a woman who had traveled more than I have. Uh, she was amazing, and her husband. They were both uh, s- uh, scholars, academics from the University of Maryland. And uh, so when you're placed for 10 hours on a plane, those of you who have to do it for work, you know, <laughs> it can be good or bad. <laughs> They put me on one of those rows that has extra leg room, and they said, There could be a mother with children. That <laughs> was like a warning. I was like, And that is bad because, well, you know why. The baby could cry for 10 hours. <laughs> I said, Well, if anybody should understand that, it should be me. So let it go. Instead, there was no mother with a, with a child. There was, there was a Jewish man here and a Catholic Irish man here. What are you going to leave behind with these men? What are you going to leave behind with the uh, other ones on the other plane I was on? Can't do much in 10 hours. But in the, as we sh- talked, especially the lady from Maryland, for hours she would kept talking and talking. I was falling asleep, but, but um, she got my card, and we're going to continue the conversation. I wanted to, to know that I'm a reasonable person, that I choose to be a follower of Christ both out of my heart and out of my mind. And that you can, you can share that with people out there and they won't think you're a cult or nuts or, or whatever. We are reasonable people. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. We have common sense in the choices that we make. We know why we're here. We know what we're doing. We know where we're going. We know what our purpose is. We know that our God has a plan for our talents, our abilities, our days let your reasonableness be known to everyone because the Lord is at hand love this one, you know what it means, we, we say let it come, let it be I was in the Sistine Chapel last week and there it was on the wall as I've seen it many times, the last judgment painted by, by uh, Michelangelo, he finished it in 1541 it's a last judgment scene with the damned on one side and the saved on the other. And Jesus in the, in the middle, this gigantic scene of the last scene here on earth. The Lord is at hand. To those in the faith, that is a welcome day, a welcome moment. The Lord is at hand. He's about to come. That is still our message 20 centuries later. The Lord is coming. The Lord is at hand. May he come soon. And if he's postponed, then we know why. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Ah, there's that anxiety thing. We uh, are getting out of a recession, but uh, there's nothing like what's going to hit Greece on Tuesday. Have you seen the news? Their ATMs are frozen. their banks are collapsing tomorrow. Your brothers and sisters in Christ that meet at Hellenicon in syntagma Square there are uh, and eleven million other Greeks they don't know what's going to happen Tuesday and they're, they're not thinking to turn to christ they're thinking ah, i won't my savings will be wiped out that's the irony of it all The, the more you have in a bank, the the less you're going to have, <laughs> the less you have, the less you're going to lose. We have unemployment, they say, if the numbers are correct, around 6%. But most of Europe has 11 Greeks have 25%. Young people have 50%. And by Tuesday, anxiety, wow. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. How does that principle apply in the modern-day world? In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So God, help help someone else to, since I'm back here, to, to, to stop and, and provide food for those homeless people I, I came across. I was only there for three days. I gave, I told the church members where they were and what their names were. Uh, what... There are those without jobs here. Do not be anxious. Use prayer. God cares about your jobs, your real estate. He cares about birds of the air and flowers of the field. Is that just words or does it mean anything? He'll care about those things too the bills that have to be paid, our debts, our homes, our families. He cares. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace, guard, two central elements. What the world needs is not just economic peace and stability. That's what they think they need political stability, economic stability. They're wrong. You know, in the time of the birth of Christ, there was a Roman emperor, his name was Octavian, and he said, I bring you peace. He meant political peace and and a a decent shot at a job. Well, didn't quite deliver either one, but made a good show. Then there was the Prince of Peace. And that was a little baby in a manger. And he came bringing a different kind of peace. I bring you peace, one that will guard, protect like a hedge around your hearts and your minds so that when the storms hit, you will be okay. You'll be all right. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's one of many Pauline lists. He loves to do lists. This is eight virtues, and the world around us does not ascribe to these kind of virtues but we are compelled to go against the flow, against the grain and claim these as the essential because selfishness and self-involvement and boy if if you travel overseas uh, the biggest fad is now the uh, illegals selling selfie sticks you know what a selfie stick is? There are like 17 people from different trying to sell you a selfie stick for your iPhone or your phone, right? That's where you take your phone and you put it on the stick out and you take a picture of whom? That's why they're called selfies. If that's not narcissistic, I don't know what is. I mean, then we post it on Facebook. Us, behind everything or in front of everything, excuse me. There's nothing... I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating, but still, does that say something about us or what? Besides that, we got interesting new technology. Here are some things you probably need to remember. Seek truth, even when the Supreme Court gets it horribly wrong. You pursue what is honorable. Definition of honor, not the way honor was defined in the Greco-Roman times and not how it's defined in our American culture either. Whatever is just, just not in the eyes of some judge somewhere sitting on a bench, human judge, but in the eyes of the judge that's going to be deciding eternal fate. Just. Blessed are those who are being persecuted and suffered? Jesus pronounced that blessing in the Sermon on the Mount because he was saying, Down here on earth, we're not going to see real justice, but you need to yearn for it. You need to seek it for other people. You will get it when he comes. Seek whatever's just, seek purity, seek what's lovely. Don't let the world spoil everything for you by packages, even things that God created like marriage and love and dating and all that. Don't let the world spoil that. You need to seek that which is commendable. In the eyes of whom? In the eyes of God. You need to seek excellence. The best that we can be. The best, nothing short of that. Don't settle. The best that you can be. In all of these aspects... We know that perfection is not available. I can't be perfect in any of these, but I'm going to seek to do better today and tomorrow. I'm going to seek excellence. That means you never give up. When you stumble, you get back up. And then you need to seek that which is worthy of praise, not praise in the eyes of men, praise in the eyes of God. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and God of peace will be with you. Christianity is not just ideas. If you want to know what true and honorable and lovely and pure means, you need to go to the eyewitnesses of the life of Christ. And you will find there purity and honor and loveliness. You will find all of those lived out in a human life. And then you will find the first Christians, as recorded in Acts, trying to replicate it, falling, stumbling, like Peter and Paul and all the rest of them, unperfect like you and me. But imitating the model that's what we're supposed to do. Money, a gift. I was in Texas because uh, the, uh, the Louisville Church of Christ asked me to go, and they took care of my costs. Otherwise, I couldn't go. But I thanked them for the gift of letting me take them and sharing the love of the Italian people with them and, and paying for my plane ticket. There are many times in my life when I've been beneficiary of a gift. Here's Paul. He's uneasy about money. Here it is. I rejoice in the Lord greatly now at length. You revive your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. But you had no opportunity. They had lost track of him for years. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to bound. And even in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I have decided... I'm not going to let my bank account decide how I feel today. And then there's that glorious 13th verse, which is just amazing. You know it. You've heard it all your life. Claim it. Surround it. Hug it again today. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can make it through this day. I can make it through this. I will find glory and joy and And power I can, not on my own, but through him who strengthens me. Yes, yet, excuse me, it was kind of you to share my trouble. You Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Every time I read this, I think of you. Because in the f- years that I have been here in fellowshipping with you, I, I have been amazed by your by your generosity. You got it right from the beginning. Kind of like the Philippians. We can always do better, I reckon. But uh, your generosity in the contribution, your generosity in, in missions. Keep it up. Keep going. Thessalonica gave, Corinth was rich, but Paul has to kind of tell them, you need, to, you need to give and have it prepared for when they come because the churches in Judea need it badly. Don't be compelled by a speech to give. Give in advance so that you can... The Corinthians are the rich ones. The Philippians are not. Yet they're the ones that have learned generosity. Kind of like the widow and the two mites. It's not about how much you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Paul's impressed and encouraged the generosity. Wednesday night, we were at that church in Rome, and I knew they didn't have a very good contribution. So when I offered to pay for the meal they offered to us, they turned it down. They turned it down. And I said, no, let Louisville let be generous like you were generous to us. I know you don't have a lot. Same thing for the church in Catania. They they did not want us to help out. But I knew that at least 25% of them were unemployed. We insisted. The Louisville Church wanted to give. It's, it's good. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. And Paul quotes him. I have received full payment, Paul says to the Philippians. I, my bank account is zeroed out. If there ever was a debt that you owed me, it's been And more, I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent to me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And you have this wonderful image of our good works, our good deeds, our giving, our going, our our cards, our, our telephone calls, our emails, as being like a fragrant aroma that rises to the throne of God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God... And, Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. So I did for you. And now I greet you for them. The brothers are with me. They greet you. All the saints greet you. Especially those of Caesar's household. And he's talking about those that are in Rome, in the capital, the biggest city of the world, Rome and Philippi, about a thousand miles apart. Then he closes. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So rejoice in this day when you may be feeling personal loss for various reasons or national loss for obvious reasons. Be strong in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the grace of the Lord that we have in Jesus Christ. If you are in the Lord this morning, you need the prayers, we're going to sing now.